Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Another journey, and today we're joining Corby Midlight. And she's been always been a different one. A writer and visionary in a completely medical family. Her father was a doctor, mother was a nurse, brother was a doctor. She's always made her own path rather than take one cut for her by others. Leaving at Ivy League University after two years, Colby stuck out to find out where joy and purpose lived, regardless of what she was told she ought to do. And we will go more into her journey as we join her today. Welcome to the journey, Colby. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. No worries. Um, I always like in people's journeys because unique is good. And when I read your bio, your uniqueness does show fair. So tell me your earliest memories of where your journey began. I have always seen things differently, heard things differently than my family. Um, I'm the one that is the right brain creative since I was four. Now, they do say there's anecdotal evidence that when you get a hit on the head, especially at your third eye level, when you're a child, that opens up third eye, that opens up metaphysical abilities, it opens up real wild creativity. And, um, I slammed into a concrete bench when I was four because nobody had taught me how to roll off my sled when we were going down the hill. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. I must have a very thick skull, no fractures, no anything. But from then on, I knew there was magic in the world and I wanted to go find it. And so my family didn't understand me. I was the rebel. I was the actress and the writer when they were all science-based and for years, my parents thought I was going to be the failure in the family. Well, I'm not the failure. I just took the scenic route to finding out who I am. Yeah. Um, finally, by before he died, my father understood me. My mother never did. My brother still doesn't. So, and the isolation of your family not understanding you, that was difficult for you because... I can imagine the stress and anxiety it brought because you wanted them to understand you. And it is very hard to be told both subtly and overtly that you're the failure in the family. Um, I went to an Ivy League university for two years and then left. So my family considers me nothing but a high school education when they've all got graduate degrees. Um, I didn't marry to make a lot of money. I married because I found someone who got me. So my family is all much wealthier than I am. But at the same time, this is who I had to be to put my own work out in the world. And so I had to accept that. Yeah, and I understand because, you know, making your own stamp in the world it's your own way, you know. Sometimes you like the support of family members and sometimes you want that support. You know, it's like, I know I've been on several 
experiences and I've always wanted to turn to my mum for advice and there's been times where I know she hasn't been because it's been difficult for me and her and I'm not condoning her on this interview at all but it just felt like I was alone in the world with that so I can imagine you felt alone in that scenario with your family being the way they were Yes, um, it's been a life full of change. Just wrote an article on Medium. Anytime I would join a group, though, within 30 days, I'd either be running it or in a very major position because I see and I'm active and I am a do. I'm charismatic. Now, what's a charismatic? A charismatic is the kind of person who walks into a room three feet before they walk into a room. And we are someone that people either love or hate. It has always been that way. And you have to learn to live with it. Mm. Um, all those years, I did so many different things, joined so many different groups, left them better than I found them. But invariably, I would burn out after a couple of years because I was used and then thrown away. So eventually you learn the only person you can trust is you. Yeah. You put your work out there, but you don't attach your ego. Um, my own spiritual mentor gave me a very wise phrase. It's called praise and blame all the same. Now, I have done work as uh, an intuitive counselor, an author, a uh, psychic medium, whatever you want, for over 20 years. I read about a 1,000 people a year. If my ego was involved, every time someone would tell me how wonderful I was, I would feel terrific. But if they said, oh, I think you suck, I think you're terrible, you're not good, I would be on the floor and suicidal. So again, you have to learn the only person you can trust is you about your own opinion. Yeah. Everybody else, there is a gossamer veil between you and them. Can it be lonely? Yes. Do I do I have a couple of people that I really trust that let in? Oh, yeah. My husband is one. My spiritual mentor is another. But you learn that you're here for a purpose. And that purpose is to make the world better somehow. And nothing else really matters. Everything else is very ephemeral. Mm. And about making it, you know, trusting your own self is the, I always believe trusting yourself is a good powerful thing as well because mm -hmm. you're the judge of yourself better than anyone else is yes yes nobody else knows your story quite the way you do mm. and that's what even if you go on podcasts even if you tell other people no one will fully understand you yeah you can talk about you so if i talk about me now i know about it i understand about it you talk about yourself. You understand it. I'm not saying I won't understand it. I will listen and ask questions, but it's an element of you will only know the real meaning of what you're talking about. Exactly so. So, so talking about into today, now, we've talked about your past. How has your journey progressed from where you were to where you are now well i'm 68 
And I'm realizing that I want to be an elder, not a boomer. And what's the difference there? Boomers are the ones, my age group, we had the best music, the best cars, the best clothes. We had the best life. You all don't understand it. You don't have it because you're lazy. We all know the caricatures of boomers. Elders are very different. We understand that our life, what we had is impossible. When we were growing up, we didn't fear being shot dead in school. We didn't think about the earth being uninhabitable in our lifetime. We never thought about mass extinction or the fact that people could be extinct in a hundred years. We didn't think about um, not being able to make enough money to even have a roof over our heads. We didn't think about being constantly fired. We did have a very easier time of it. But to expect millennials and Gen Zs to have the same is crazy. So when elder understands it is our time to come off the stage, we have to cede the spotlight to them. We don't always tell them what to do. We offer our timeless wisdom if we are asked. And we become what I call third trenchers. Now, what's that? In World War I, there were three trenches in trench warfare. The first one was where everyone went over the top. Second one was your reserve soldiers. And the third trench, supplies, food, medics. So when people of my generation become third trenchers, let's say that there's going to be a food drive for the homeless. We're the ones who pack the sandwiches and do the dishes. We do not plan it. We do not take the publicity for it. And we do not take the credit. We have to leave that to the younger generations so they can determine how they are going to be in the world. Yeah. So that's my journey now is what can I leave behind me that they can use? Mm, and I not about me, it's about them. Yeah, it's about making what you can make them feel comfortable for their future as a human by what you just said there. Mm -hmm. exactly. so, so going to your notes, it said about your path being obviously wasn't easy being married twice which didn't last and a constant search for the partner who understood and then it says about your successional jobs a series of spiritual paths moving from cambridge to philadelphia to Poughkeepsie to new york <laughs> nobody can pronounce it if you don't live in new york it's all yeah, right yeah. But I assume it's Pal Keepsy <laughs> to New York, to Atlanta. For now, for Blue, you developed breast cancer, not once, but three times. Now, I'll go more into that bio in a minute, but survivor breast cancer three times. That's. Um, well, for one thing, it came because, and this is part of metaphysics, in my pre birth plan. Most times when I reincarnate, I'm male and probably don't treat women very well. This time I came in needing to learn that what a woman looks like is not what she's worth. And I came in with your typical, if you will, Dolly Parton figure. But because I was not learning that lesson, I got cancer twice. The third time was the second primary. It took the danger clock back to zero. 
but I was forced to have a double mastectomy and all of the surgical interventions pretty much ruined my, my physical being. Um, but I live the examined life, which is, all right, this horrible thing is happening and I can't get out of it. What do I need to learn? Be, me personally, the way I work, then what do I need to teach? And then next, I don't dwell in it, which is why I never say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I do not say I'm a cancer survivor because that whole vibe gives you the feeling of teeth and toenails hanging on. Hmm. I am a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure, <laughs> avoided getting my toes stepped on and got off the dance floor in one piece. It's been 18 years. I'm completely clean. Um, it is just one more thing that I teach with. So it was part of my journey. Yeah. And I just applaud that because, you know, that is a milestone, even though you don't address it. It is a milestone in its own mind in other people's eyes that would say you came to see that you've experienced it and you've beaten it. But I understand totally. So going then into saying life has become a roller coaster of no breaks and then you know you survived to force abuse poverty obviously life-threatening illnesses came into that as well but for all this you valued it you know examined life meeting challenges and always asking the next question facing each new situation with strength courage and humor now i like that approach because obviously that's the best way to handle it. You know, you know, you got to laugh at certain things. You can't always be 100% square, doom and gloom. No, no. I mean, look, I have done stand-up comedy about you think a psychic's life is easy. Everybody thinks that those of us who do that kind of metaphysical work, we're all serious and we, you know, we wear glitter and dying. oh, please. I'm from New York. I'm very practical. And when you can laugh about things, it makes it easier to get information across. I know when my clients sit down with me, invariably there will be times during our situation, even if it's very serious, that I will get them to laugh. Because when you laugh, your shielding goes down and the information goes in, they will feel more comfortable with me. Laughter is not bad. Laughter is kind of like a comfort blanket. As long as you're laughing with someone, not at someone. That's the big thing. Mm -hmm. These days, a lot of comedy is nasty. It's sticking in the knife. Mm -hmm. It never is with me. Yeah. And I see that with certain comedies I see on TV. It's like mm -hmm. it's deliberately written to make poking at certain subjects in life. And I'm thinking, yeah, there is a way of poking at society and all but not through comedy because people then will interpret that and I have seen it where they interpret it and you see it then written in newspaper articles in cartoons you know and it's like yeah but that's my opinion on that <laughs> so going into the future because obviously we go past present and future how do you see your position as a third trencher going? Do you think you've made that impact to make that so you know that the next generation will understand things? I hope so. I deliberately did not have children. Um, 
I knew when I was 13, if I did, they would not have a normal lifespan because I saw what was going to happen. But I am, if you will, raising the next generation of intuitives, people who need to learn to trust themselves, people who need to be able to get answers beyond their five senses. So yes, at this point, I'm passing on every single thing that I know so that they can do it. I mean, 20, 30 years at most, I'll be gone. Do I want to take everything with me that I learned? No, I want to leave some of it behind if it is useful to them, but they must tell me it's useful. I'm not going to assist that they do it my way because I know that intuitives in the 2020s do things very differently than they did 50 years ago um, when we had the hippies, when we were just learning about spirituality on a very public face. Mm. So you have to accept the fact that the world is going to go on without you and the world is going to change. Yeah. If you think that it won't, you're deluding yourself. <laughs> so going, um, how people would contact you because there is people who might want to reach out to talk to you. How would they be able to contact you? It's really very simple. My website is my name, CorbyMitlai.com. You can find me on YouTube, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Medium. And if you want to learn with me on a monthly basis, that would be Patreon. Okay. And for the last thing, what would you say to the one bit of advice would you give people for the future? Because once this is uploaded, it's fair for people to be inspired for the future. The three most important questions in the world that you can ask yourself when you are in a difficult situation. The first is, what am I X about? X is sad or angry or depressed or fearful. Second question is, why am I X about that? Don't judge it. Just look at it. And the third question we never ask ourselves is, what do I think would happen if I stop being X about that? You are allowed to change how you feel. You are allowed to change your belief systems. You can change them in an instant when you ask yourself those three questions. Kobe, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.